Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. When I was a kid, uh, there was one show that was probably the most transformative for me. It was a show that I watched all the time. I couldn't get enough of. It was a show that I tried to make my kids watch when they got older, and they wouldn't. But that's just the circle of life, I guess. And, uh, but it was Star Trek. Any, tre- any Trekkies in here? Or Trekkers? You know, any, any of us? So when I was a kid, I would literally stay up every night, and on Fox, at 9 o'clock, they would show reruns of The Next Generation, and then at 10 o'clock, they would show reruns of the original series, and every single night, I would watch an hour of Next Generation, and then I'd watch an hour of the original series. And I loved it. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you just, it just became part of you. Your DNA was that opening sequence of the show. And you'd say, space, the final frontier. <laughs> These are the voyages of... Thank you. It's continuing mission, depending on which series you watched. (laughs) To explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, and to boldly go where... No one has gone before. Yeah, see, that was a test, because those old people, they would say, no man. But then next generation came around and said, no, 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 men and women can go places too. But to boldly go where no one has gone before. What's so awesome about Star Trek is it literally, it's, it raised up this generation of people who are interested in space and space travel. So because, of the, even the original series, because of that, you have these young kids who are watching the show for the first time. I think it only aired for like one season or something ridiculous like that, but they watched it and they were just so sold into this idea that space was attainable, that they began to study math and aeronautics and science. And, and then in the late 60s, the space program just kicked off and, and NASA just exploded. And you have all these astronauts who were raised up watching this show who literally wanted to go where no man had gone before. And you had these men and women who were willing to strap themselves into cans and be launched with tons of flammable fuel into space where there is no air so they could hang out there for a second and experience zero gravity and then literally crash back to Earth being stopped only by a parachute. It's crazy. But they wanted to do it because they believed in this mission to go to places where no one had ever been. And, and to me, that really, that's like an ultimate expression of faith, right? If you are in that can, you have, you have to have faith in the engineers who drew up this plan, who said, this is possible, we can do this. You had to have faith in the mathematicians who did all the calculations to make sure that your, your trajectory out of the earth and your return to earth was legit, that it could work, that it could happen. You had to have faith in the people who built the capsule, who built the parachute. You had to have faith in those people that they did it right. I mean, that is like, that is a legitimate. Going to space, that is a faith journey because you are putting your trust in so many different people. Now, we have all had faith journeys in our life. Now, maybe some of our faith journeys are not as big as flying off into space, but we've all had, in some ways, faith journeys. And let me, I'll just tell you about one of my faith journeys that started when I was a child. Some of you, this may be very familiar to you. I started my faith journey with swimming when I was just a little kid. My mom put me in swimming lessons when I was, I think, in kindergarten or first grade. She started me off real early. And I remember being in second or third grade at my swimming lessons in the summer and I'm at my swimming teacher's house in her pool in her backyard, and we are all lined up, and she's teaching us how to dive. Now, here's the thing. When you're a kid and you're learning to swim, the shallow end is gold. 
The deep end, not so much. And so she decided it was time to teach us how to dive into the deep end. Now, I could jump into the deep end, and I could kind of step into it and fall in, and I could manage that. And here's what she did. She brought us all up and said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to stand on the edge. You're going to put your hands over your head like this. You're going to lean forward, and you're just going to fall forward. And that's how you just fall forward into the pool and dive. And I was like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 you can do this. You can do this. And so she lines all the kids up, <clears throat> and, and first kid... You know, pointy hands on the head, falls forward, dives into the water. It's like, yeah, they did it. I'm like, okay, well, if they did it, I need to do it. And then, like, a girl gets up, and, you know, I'm a secondary kid. I'm like, okay, now I have to do it. If a girl did it, I got to do it too. So the girl dives, and so it's my turn to get up there. And, like, I'm standing on the edge of the pool, and I'm just like, all the thoughts of what can go wrong are in my head. I could drown. I could hit my head on the side of the pool. I could, you know, I could completely fail and look like an idiot. I mean, just all of the things that could completely go wrong in the situation. My life is at stake in this moment. And as I put my hands over my head, I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. My swimming teacher is right there. She's like two feet away in the water, ready for us. I've seen her catch other kids and bring them out after they've dove in. But I'm still like, oh gosh, oh, I'm nervous. And so I got up and I probably, t- it felt like eternity to me, the amount of time I stared at the water waiting to just fall forward. Because when you're just willing your body to fall, you just can't do it. It was, it was terrifying. But I counted to three. I was like, three, two, one. And I fell forward, and I completely belly flopped, and it hurt. <laughs> but it was after that, I developed the courage to do it. Because I belly flopped, it was painful, and I realized this. I didn't die. I can do this thing. So the next time I got up, I dove, and it was fine. She was right there. She had me. I was totally safe. That was the beginning of my journey with swimming. And then if, if, if you were like me, you kind of grew up going to the pool and doing stuff, you know that the next hurdle that you tackle is what? It's the diving board, right? Diving board's a little scarier because when you dive off the diving board, you're not right by the edge. When I fall dive into the pool, I could literally turn around and go, <laughs> you know, and do that. And I can save myself because that's, that's what it looks like. Spitting water. <laughs> When you dive off the diving board, you're like 10 feet away from the edge of the pool. And so here's what I did. I walk out to the edge of the diving board and you give it a little tiny bounce. And then you realize I'm not bouncing. That's stupid. And so this is like fifth grade me, sixth grade me, you know, just to the age where I'm like, now it's not the girl that's embarrassed me because she dove and I couldn't. Now it's the girl that I want to look cool in front of. And so I'm on the edge of the diving board. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And the edge of the pool's back there. It's like a, a three-foot drop. And I'm like, okay, hands over head. And I did the exact same thing. I just fell forward into the pool. Once I did that, though, I realized this is possible. I can fall forward in the pool and I can be safe. So then the next thing I did is I went to the end. And I kind of bounced a little bit. Anyway, know what I'm talking about? Like you get that first bounce dive, and then it's just like bounce diving for days, right? Get that distance. So then like probably the final, the final journey for me in my, my faith journey of swimming, or at least diving in, was, and they don't have this anymore, because I, maybe it's too dangerous. I don't know. If you're like, this is maybe my generation thing, but it's the high dive, right? Anybody remember the high dive? Dude, you get up on the high dive. I get up to the edge, and I'm looking over. I'm like, I'm not diving off this. That's stupid. So like the first time you jump off, you just kind of step. But, but my, I was with my friends and my friends were all diving off of it. And I was like, I'm going to look like an idiot. So I get to the end. If I don't do this, I get to the end of the diving board. And I'm like, hands over my head. (laughs) Like the lessons you learn in first grade, they never get old. Hands over my head. And I'm like, this one, I swear, this one took a long time. This one took so long that people behind me were like, dude, go. Hands over my head. Counted to three like six times, but then finally, I just 
fell forward off the diving board, managed to keep my hands over my head, and I just perfectly split the water. It was amazing. And then, of course, it happened. I could trust that I could do it. And so then the next time I bounced. And so, man, by the, by the time I had ace diving, I would get to the back of that diving board, and I would just, boom, and I would just explode off the diving board. And people, people, would like, people would hear the sound of the board, and they would stop, and they'd go, oh, wait, it's Chris. And they would just see me. And it's like the hands. And then... It was awesome. It was, what's really funny, we were just talking about that this week, because we were listening, to, as we were working on the building this week and getting it done, we just had the radio on, and like a Def Leppard song came on the radio, and I was like, I'm 12 years old, I'm at Holiday Pool, and I'm going off the high dive to Def Leppard. <laughs> So my faith journey with diving ended, though, because I was on that high dive, and I thought, okay, well, now it's time to flip. I can totally do that. Yeah, it was, it was great, because I flipped, and I landed flat on my body like this, whipping my face into the water, and I was like, nope, never again. We all have faith journeys, right? And faith journeys, are not, they don't always have to be religious or spiritual even. I mean, a faith journey is just literally putting your trust in something or someone and believing that you will be okay and believing that they have you. Now, the spiritual faith journey, the faith journey with God, that's a, that's a little bit of a bigger thing, right? Because I can stand on the diving board and I can look down at the water and I can know my swimming teacher is there and I can know my friends are there and there's lifeguards standing around. I can see them. They're right there. I know. I know that there, no matter what, my friend is just dived off the, off the diving board. I know that it's possible I could see it. And even though I'm scared, there's something about that faith journey that, that, that is, it's a little easier. But really at its core, faith in God is really not that different. We, we know it's a thing. We, we look at the facts. We, we measure it out. We say, is the risk work against the reward of, of doing this thing? And so today what I want to talk about is the first kind of part of our launch series is this. I want to talk about a faith journey with God. Because I'm willing to bet that whether you're a church person or not, you might be here today and you're like totally not a church person. Like Bible church, you know, that may be you. That's, and that's great. If you're here, I'm super glad you joined us today. That's, super, I'm, that's very cool that you're here. And, and, that, and for you, you know, this, this may be a tougher question than for other people, but at the core, I do believe this, that every single one of us has thought about or processed this idea of a faith journey. Process this idea of faith in a God that maybe made us, faith in a God that maybe can be trusted, uh, faith in a God that, that maybe can do things in our lives and that maybe if we just trusted him, he might do something bigger in me than I could do in my own life on my own. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about what it, might look, what it might look like for us if you actually launched into a transformative faith journey with God. What might that look like for you? So we're going to look at a story out of the life of Jesus, and we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 14. And uh, this is kind of an interesting story. So, so basically, Jesus and his disciples, they were, they were teaching, and Jesus, I mean, Jesus was going around all over the place. He was teaching people. His stories were super interesting and super fascinating, and he was doing, like, miracles. Like, people would be sick, and he would pray for them, and they would get better. People would be paralyzed, and they couldn't walk, and then Jesus would, would come over, and he'd pray for them, do weird things, and, and they would get healed. Blind people would, could see all of a sudden. It, Jesus was doing this stuff, and people started hearing about it, and they would come for miles around because they're just like, i got to see what this sideshow is all about. And, you know, maybe if I'm sick, i got to come see Jesus because maybe he can do something for me as well. And so Jesus and the disciples, they'd just been teaching like thousands of people. Thousands, like 5,000 is what, is what the gospel accounts 
say, which and that's just you typically when they counted back then, they just counted the men. So it's like, add women and children to that. Thousands and thousands of people that Jesus has been teaching him. He did this miracle. He fed all these people with just a little bit of food and just this awesome, huge miracle. And they've been out there all day. And it reaches the end of the day where, you know, the disciples are like, Jesus, we got to go, man. It's tired. It, this is, we're exhausted. And so Jesus says this. He says, I want you guys to get in the boat. Go across this, the giant lake. I want you to go over there and I will meet you over there. But he's like, I just need some alone time because the disciples are like Jesus' kids. And parents, have you ever been just like, I'm just going to go to my room and lock the door for like eight hours? Don't knock. <laughs> just don't. That was Jesus. He's like, you guys just go here. I'm going to go be alone. I'm just going to pray. I need to recharge. And I don't need you to be part of that right now. So the disciples, they get in the boat. And this is what happens in the, in the story of Matthew chapter 14. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat to cross to the other side of the lake while he sent all the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Now, night fell while he was there alone. And meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. So, so night's fallen. The disciples have gone in their boat, but it's become dark. Jesus is still praying up in the hills. And in the middle of the night, the disciples were in trouble far from land because this strong wind had risen. And they started fighting these heavy waves in the boat that they were in. So they were in a little bit of, a little bit of distress, a little bit of a freaky situation, right? little nervous and jesus isn't with them he's the guy who's been doing all these miracles and so they're off on their own and and again it's like you know when you leave your kids home alone and you go out for the first time and they're there and like we're grown up we're grown up and then they hear a noise outside and they're like mommy locking the doors that's the disciples you know in this moment story continues about three o'clock in the morning so they've been out there a long time about three o'clock in the morning this is crazy jesus came toward them walking on the water. Okay, let's just, just stop for a second. I know you've probably heard this story a gajillion times, right? We're like, yeah, duh, Jesus walked on the water. But just process that for a moment, okay? Just think about that. Think about like if you have a baby, you know, and you're, and you're giving your baby a bath and you drop your baby in the bathtub, but they won't go in. They just, why are you, you're sitting on the water. Go in. You just had a blowout diaper. Go in. <laughs> Jesus is walking on the water, okay? Nobody, he's walking out there in the middle of this little bit of a storm. And this is, look at what the disciples did. When the disciples saw him walking out there, they were terrified. Because in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost! Like, it looks like Jesus, but it's a ghost. I mean, guys, rationally, let's work through all the rational things for what this could possibly be. Okay, ghost. It's a ghost. Continues, but, but Jesus hears them. And he's like, he spoke to them at once. I believe he's, it says, don't be afraid. I believe the first thing he said, probably, don't be an idiot. And then he says, don't be afraid. He says, take courage. I am here. And then Peter, one of his disciples, who's in the boat, he calls out to him. He's like, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you walking on the water. If it's, okay, Jesus, if it's you and not a ghost, I need you to prove it. And so tell me to come out and walk on the water. And then Jesus, Jesus says this. He says, yes, come. So Jesus is like, Peter, come on, let's do this thing. Peter's standing on the edge of the pool. He's like, I want to dive. I think I can do this. You, you've, you dove in the water and I want to dive. But I need you to tell me I can. I need you to tell me to do this. And Jesus is like, okay, come on, baby. You can do this. Just dive. You got this. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on water toward Jesus, just like Jesus did. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he kind of looks around. He's walking on water and he sees everything that's going around on him. He gets, he gets a little freaked out. Because again, it's like, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And he sees everything around him. And it says this, that, that he started to, to sink 
in the water. He said, and uh, I got lost voice. So Peter went over the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord. And I get, man, if you're a kid, you've ever done, jumped in the water and your mom or dad is like, swim toward me, it's going to be okay. And then you start doing it and you're like, nope, save me, mommy. That's Peter. He shouted this and Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He's like, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? You were just doing it. Why did you doubt me? Continues. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then, after this, the disciples worshipped him. And they're like, oh my gosh, you really are the son of God. This, I mean, you're really this guy, they exclaimed. They saw this happen and they began to worship Jesus and said, okay, we maybe thought this could be, but like, this is legit. This is real. There's a couple, I have a handful of observations that I just want to share with you out of the story. Just a handful of things that, as I read this, just kind of pop out to me. I mean, if you want to take notes, you can kind of write these down. But just, these are just some of my thoughts on this. And so my first observation out of the story is this, is that sometimes Jesus stuff can be weird. Okay? Sometimes Jesus, sometimes Jesus religious stuff, it can be a little weird. Uh, you know, the disciples looked out and they thought Jesus was a ghost. And like maybe, maybe some of you guys have went to church for the first time and you like heard someone like, yelling out or screaming something or woo! anybody been to church you had wooers yeah some of you guys jumped when i did that i saw you man have you ever been to church before and i'm just singing the songs there i used to go to church no oh, i'm gonna tell a story i used to go to church and we you know be during the, the music and right in the front row like every week there is this woman and no joke in the middle of service didn't matter where it'd just be like a quiet song just woo! i get some of you there I hope so, because that's what happened to every single one of us when she did it. Imagine being a first-time guest sitting in front of that woman, that crazy woman. Sometimes Jesus stuff can be a little weird. Now, if I'm in the boat and I'm like, oh, that's a ghost, that's a ghost, that's a ghost. Like, I'm not messing with ghosts. I'm out. I'm done, right? I'm not doing this. This is too weird for me. This faith stuff, it's too weird. You know, I'm not going to do this. But here's the thing. The nature of faith. Especially, especially spiritual faith. The nature of spiritual faith is this, is that it is putting your faith in something that is out of the ordinary. You're putting your faith in something that is not typical. You're putting your faith in something that you don't experience, something that you can't do on your own. And if it was ordinary, then faith wouldn't be necessary. I don't have to have a lot of faith to turn on my faucet to brush my teeth in the morning and expect water to come out. Because it's ordinary. It just happens. I don't have to have a lot of faith to flush my toilet and expect the water to go down. It just happens. It it happens all the time. It doesn't require faith because it's ordinary. It's typical. But things of a spiritual nature, I mean, sometimes Jesus stuff can be a little weird. And you might think it's a ghost before you really understand what it is. But here's the thing. Don't be scared off, okay? Because when it comes to, to faith in Jesus, you may just not understand exactly what's going on. And the disciples didn't. They thought it was a ghost. It wasn't Casper. It was Jesus. And he was doing something. And just because they didn't understand it didn't mean at the end of the day it was weird. So sometimes faith stuff, sometimes Jesus stuff can be a little weird. That's just an observation I had. Another observation I had is this. Is that I think deep down we all want to be people of great faith. But I think deep down we also sometimes don't really believe that it's possible. I think we all want to be people who, who others look at and go, oh, they're just a hero of faith. I can't believe the faith they have. They just do things and it works out. I just can't believe the, the trust they have in God. And I wish I could be like that, but I just, I don't think that I could ever do that. And, and I think what Peter is doing in this story 
is, is he's asking the same thing. He's asking the same questions that many of us um, actually ask ourselves all the time. And it's, that's this. If, if I can be a person of great faith, I want to, but I need God to tell me. Okay? It's just it's like, I want to do this. I want to be a person of great faith, but I need to, God, I need you to like, I need you to send me a letter. I need it to be notarized. You know, I need it to be stamped. I need to be, you know, date stamped. I, I just need to know God beyond a shadow of a doubt. I need it to be served to me. You know, I just, I need that. I need to know that God is in this and God has told me what to do if I'm going to be a person of faith because I, I need it to be covered. And I need to make sure that God clearly tells me what to do to know that I'm covered. And, and here's the thing. That's Okay. You know, Peter knew he couldn't do this on his own. He needed Jesus to tell him to do this. And, and what was cool about it is that Jesus understood that and Jesus made it a matter of obedience. Now, sometimes when we talk about obedience in relationship to God, we tend to think of it as onerous. Like it's a bunch of rules that are meant to crush us and hold us down and make our lives miserable. And that's not what obedience is about. In fact, what really, one of the key things that obedience is about is about teaching us that we can trust God. And giving us the confidence to know what God has asked us to do so that we can live the best life that we can possibly live. Because just like Peter, we're standing on the edge of the pool and we're going, I want to do this. I think it would be cool if I could do this. I, I, you know, I think it could change my life. I think my life would be so much better. But I just am not sure that this is really what God is saying and really what God is wants. So God says, okay, well, I'm going to make it clear. If that's what you need, I'll do it. And I'll make this a matter of obedience. We all want to be people of great faith. Sometimes we don't think we can. And that's why, that's why God says, I'm going, to, I'm going to make this super clear to you. Have you ever wanted to take a bold step of faith, um, but you were, you were just like too afraid to do it because you weren't really sure God would cover you? Felt like, I should do this. I want to do this. But you're like, I just don't think, I don't think God's going to, God's not, God's not going to fill my bank account up if I do this. God's, God's, you know, this is the, this is the only person in my life. And if I bypass this relationship because it doesn't honor him, I may never have another chance at a relationship again. And if I do that, I, you know, what do I have? I'm left with nothing. But here's the thing. Here's what God wants you to know. It's okay to ask God to be clear and make your step of faith an act of obedience. It's okay to do that. Next, another observation is this. When Jesus tells you to do something, you can do it. When Jesus, when some, God puts something in your heart and says, I want you to do this thing, it's scary, it's big, it's going to require faith, it's going to require trust, you're examining it and exploring it and you're feeling like it's impossible, it's out of range, you can do it. Jesus told Peter to come out to him on the water and even though it made zero sense and even though it was totally stupid and irresponsible, Peter stepped out of that boat into a storm because when Jesus tells you to do something, you can do it. And here's the thing, I mean, there's a big deal is made about the fact that Peter got scared and he started to sink and he lost his faith. And even Jesus was like, what are you doing, dude? I had you all along. Why are you so scared? And yet, he still walked on water. And Jesus was still there to take him by the hand, to pull him up when he felt like he couldn't do it on his own, when he got scared. Because sometimes faith requires us to muscle through our fear. Sometimes faith requires us to take steps that are just terrifying. But when Jesus asks you to do something, you can do it. And honestly, that's what obedience, to, that's what obedience in relationship to God looks like. Jesus tells you, asks you to do something, tells you to do something, and you do it. That's faith. That's the essence of what faith is actually is. Even when it's scary, even when it might cost you something, even when it's challenging and difficult. And fourth observation out of the story that I just thought was interesting, and that's this, is that doing what Jesus asks is always worth it. Doing what Jesus asks us to do is always worth it. 
Now, Peter was the only one who stepped out of the boat. And if you think about it, there was 11 other guys in that boat. And yet none of those other guys seemed remotely interested in doing what Peter did. None of those guys seemed interested in all in stepping out of the boat. And none of them really even seemed that interested in having great faith. I mean, I, if, I think if you examine all the other 11 guys, all they really wanted to do was just not drown. As, I mean, really. They weren't interested in, in how big their faith could be. They just wanted to not drown in the storm. But Peter, he wanted more. That, that, that feeling deep down inside all of us, he was tired of silencing it. He was tired of squashing it down. That feeling that he could be a person of great faith, that, that his faith in God could be big. And because of that, amazing things could happen. He, he nurtured that, he held on to it, and he wanted more. And as a result, because he wanted to do something that no one had ever done before, because he wanted to do something great and to be someone great, he did something that no one else had ever done before. Because doing what Jesus asks is always worth it. And I think that too often we live our lives at the lowest bar um, I, th- I think, so, okay, I think when you look, a lot of times when people like examine how they want their life to be, what is the quality of life? We say, what is the easiest life? I just want to be happy and I just want to be comfortable. Okay. And if I can have those two things, I don't want to mess with it. You know, I don't want to me- like big faith would be cool, but is it going to make me uncomfortable? I, and then I probably don't want it. And I think sometimes we hold on to this quality of life expectation for ourselves. And we, and we, just, we just want it to just be comfortable and good and happy and don't rock the boat. I guarantee you when Peter's stepping out of the boat, all the other 11 guys are grabbing the sides going, you idiot, stop moving. You ever been in a boat and someone stood up? Yeah. They're like, stop it, Peter. I don't rock this boat, Peter. We're comfortable, okay? I know there's a storm happening around us, but we don't want to drown, and we're doing okay right now. To be honest, I mean, if we're being totally honest, it's probably better for us if we just live that comfortable life, and we just never... If God never asked anything from us, it's probably better, because we never have to do anything scary. We never have to do anything risky. We never have to do anything uncomfortable. And for us... I mean, this is, just, this is just some advice for you who are, just, who are really good with that lowest bar in life. If it's the life you want to live, and I mean, here's free advice right here. All you have to do to not drown is stay in the boat. If you just don't want to drown, just don't get out. Don't take any steps of faith. Don't move towards Jesus. If you don't want to drown, if you don't want to risk fear, if you don't want to risk something that might be uncomfortable, that might be scary, then just... Stay in the boat. This building right here. I'm so excited we're in here. And I look at this building as the start of something, not the end of something. And I'll just tell you, you know, this building is a boat. And if you just want to be comfortable in church and have a nice place where you can drop your kids, then don't get out of this boat. Don't do it. Just hang out in your seat. Drink your coffee and be comfortable. But I believe this. I believe God's called us to do more than just sit inside the boat afraid we're going to drown. Because, I, I mean, just think about it, like on my tombstone, I don't want it to say, he made it through life without drowning. <laughs> I want it to say this, he walked on water. And then I want an, one of those emojis with the hands like this on the face going, what? <laughs> Carve it in. That's what I All you have to do to not drown is stay in the boat. And none of the other disciples even came close to drowning. 
because they decided to stay. Even when they saw Peter walk out, they saw Peter doing it. You would think even Peter steps out and he's walking on water. I'd be like, all right, I'm in. Shoes off, pants off, let's do this. I don't know why pants off, but you're on top of the water, but we can process that and come to a conclusion on that one later. (laughs) Maybe that's why a naked ghost. (laughs) But here's the thing. In, In relation to Peter and the other disciples, okay, none of them drowned. But none of them have a story like Peter had. None of them. Peter walked on water. Their story, they watched. They got to see it happen. Last observation, just kind of a fifth observation. And reading this story, and as it relates to faith. Your step of faith impacts others. Your step of faith, when you take it, it makes a difference. Now check this out. The end of this story, I think this, the, bring that last verse up. The end of this story is so amazing, right? Because Peter walks out, goes through the whole thing, and Jesus pulls him out of the water, and they get back in the boat. And what happens? It says this, the disciples worshiped Jesus. Oh my gosh, you really are the Son of God. Now, let, look at the width and breadth of this entire story, okay? They saw Jesus walking on water, and it's a ghost. They see Peter walking on water, and what is it? Jesus is the son of God. When Jesus is out there on the water, I am horrified. I'm scared. When they see Peter walking on the water, oh my gosh, Jesus is the son of God. He can do amazing things. And can I tell you, church followers of Jesus, when you lean into your steps of faith, it impacts other people. And I promise you this, there are people in your life and they may be other followers of Jesus who are still sitting in the boat. And maybe there are people who don't know Jesus and, you know, again, church is just not a thing for them. And they're waiting for you to take your step of faith because they will never be able to recognize or realize that Jesus is the son of God and that Jesus desires a transformative relationship with their life. And Jesus has power for their life that they could never know or understand until they see you take a step of faith. And I promise you this, if no one had stepped out of this boat, Nobody would have proclaimed that Jesus is the son of God. Your step of faith, it makes a difference. It impacts other people. It changes things. The other disciples worship Jesus because Peter was willing to take a step of faith. And this is, this is just how Jesus works. When you're talking about faith in God, this is how he works He asks us to step out. He asks us to do something scary. He asks us to move in the world of of faith. And and he asks you to be a person of bold and courageous faith and obedience. Jesus didn't call you. God didn't call you to be a clock watcher with your life. God didn't call you to just count down the hours until it's over and to accumulate and enjoy everything you can at the lowest bar of living. God didn't call you to be a clock watcher. He called you to be a world changer. And world changers step out of the boat in faith. They don't live just to not drown. We aren't called to judge people from the comfort of our own front porches. We're called to go out into the darkest and most hurting and broken corners of our community and proclaim the love of Jesus to people who don't know it. And that requires faith. We aren't called by God to hoard our lives for our own benefit, but to spend our lives 
for the glory of God and for the benefit of other people. And man, you may be hearing this, and I know it sounds hard, and I know it sounds scary, and I know it sounds a little weird, but you can't deny the fact that something in your heart is going, yes, yes, I want to live for something bigger. I want to live for something more. I want to be a person who can step out of the boat and walk on water. I want to be a person of great faith. And just this is just one point. There's only one thing that you wrote down and got out of this. It's this. It's that if you follow Jesus, he will ask you to come out on the water with him. But the step out of the boat is always yours. If you, I, pr- I promise, if you follow Jesus, he will always, 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 always call you to step out of the boat. There will be a moment where he's like, dude, I want you to, to uh, dive off the high dive this time. And you're like, Jesus, I can't. I can kind of fall off with my toes down, but I ain't diving. No, I want you to dive. It's always going to happen. But he will never push you off. Never. The first step always belongs to us. It's always yours. I didn't do that. <laughs> The person next to you probably didn't either. I was right. So we're starting this brand new message series called Launch. And we're intentional about this. We tailored it to when we got into our new building, this launch pad where we're going to go out into our community, this boat that we are collectively going to step out of in faith into our community and make a difference in Bloomington Normal and around the world. That's what this is all about. This is a boat. And we're not going to live in it. We're not going to hide from drowning in it. We're going to step out of it. And because we're starting this series, we're timing it with something that we're calling the Launch Initiative. Because I believe this, God is calling us as his church to partner with him to impact the world in ways that it has not been impacted before. I believe this, that we in this room, that God has wired us and designed us to make a difference in our community, in our world that nobody else could make. That would never happen if we were not willing to step out of the boat. We want to do bigger things for God. We want to do walk on water things for God. And this building is a start. It's the launch pad. Again, it's the boat that we're going to step out of. But God is asking us to partner with him in a bigger way. And so over the next, you know, I think four more weeks, the next amount of weeks that is to be determined... (laughs) We're going to be talking a lot about this because here's what, God, here's what God is asking us to do and here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to pray, to seek God, and I'm asking you to open your heart to be willing to ask God, God, what would you be asking me to do and what would you be asking me to give in order to make a difference through the ministries of Compass Church in our community and around our world? The launch initiative is a generosity initiative. What I'm asking us to do is God's church in Bloomington Normal at Compass. I'm asking us to give. I'm asking us to give for two years. I'm asking us to say for two years, I'm going to step out of the boat. And I'm going to hear from God. And God's maybe asking me to give a certain amount per month. I'm going to, I'm going to open my ears to God. And God may be asking me to give a big, giant, you know, lump sum. Whatever it is God's asking me to do, I'm going to do it. But I'm asking us as a church to come together and say this. We've got the boat. We've got the building. God gave it to us. And I believe now God's looking down at us and he's saying, okay, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to kick your feet up and recline? Are you going to dig down to make my name, to make my kingdom known in this community? And we're going to do that by giving. And here's the thing, I want you to know this. We're giving because ministry happens with resources. And the resources God gives his church go through his church. We are his church. It's in our hands. 
And like, there's just, just some things. I mean, I can tell you right now, like if you parked in our parking lot today, I didn't expect this necessarily, but you know, our parking lot's already full. People had to park out in the grass, which is actually, there's some gravel under there and there's grass that's grown through it. We probably already need to expand our parking lot. That requires resources. We, we need to make this building outfitted into the best place that it could possibly be to make God accessible to everyone in our community. But it's bigger than just these four walls. It's bigger than that. It's about us finding new and deeper ways to impact our community. I want, I want a resource ministry to kids in Bloomington Normal that the likes of which no one has ever seen. I want, and I know we're not the biggest church in town, and that's okay. It's not about size. I want to have the best kids ministry in Bloomington Normal. And let me tell you what I really want. I want our ministry here to be able to impact kids who have, have never grown up knowing anything about Jesus. I mean, kids are totally unchurched. Church has just never been a thing for them. I want this to be a place that can reach those kids and those families in a way that no other church in Bloomington Normal can. I want our kids' area to be blow your mind amazing. I want kids to want to come here like they want to come to Chuck E. Cheese. And I don't care if they know anything about Jesus or the Bible. That doesn't matter to me because that's why we want them to be here. And if that means video games, video games. You know, whatever it means, I don't care. I want to make a difference in the lives of kids. It's why we're going to have our first Easter egg hunt here on April 20th on this property. Can I tell you? I don't know if you know this, candy stuffed Easter eggs cost money. It's a thing. We're going to do, and it's, we're going to do it. It's going to be huge. And we're not doing it because churches do egg hunts. And we're not doing it because we want to make sure that, that our own kids have a nice time. I mean, that's nice. I want our kids to have a nice time. I do. So if you have kids, don't hear me. You're, I love your kids. They're awesome. But I want to reach those kids who would never, ever set foot in a place like this. Whose parents are like, church? Pfft, nope. Those are the kids I want to reach. And I want them here on our property. We're going to, we're going to do a summer blast. This summer for kids, a massive week-long kids program. And we're going to invest, a, we're going to invest, we're going to invest thousands of dollars into it because it matters, because it's going to make a difference. Launch is going to help resource that. It's going to take care of it. And then I just want to find new and creative ways to go out into our community and just reach into the lives of kids who are hurting and broken and neglected. We do so much with the foster care community in Bloomington Normal. I want to double down on that, invest more in that. I want to find the new areas where kids are hurting in Bloomington Normal. And I want to find ways to invest in that, both our time, our talent, and our resources. I want, I want, I want to make a difference in the lives of kids. Man, I want our church to reproduce disciples and reproduce leaders. I want to plant another church. If you haven't been with us, we planted a church last year, Nexus Church. They're meeting uh, in, in the middle of Bloomington right now, right by the Constitution trail on empire street this sunday they're meeting they've only been in church for a little over a year they launched out of us we sent 40 people and today they, i mean last week they had like 70 people who are sitting in their service in their building and they're reaching people compass could never reach and i want to plant more churches and like who are the people in bloomington normal who we can't reach because they'd walk through our doors and go oh compass no but they'll go to that church because you know whatever church we plant is going to be cooler than us in some way what is that church? How can we resource, resource those people to go and make a difference? I, I want to reproduce. This is our heartbeat. This is our vision. Making God accessible to everyone. That's what this thing is all about. Really, this launch initiative is about us stepping out of the boat so that people in Bloomington Normal and people around the world will go, Oh my gosh, Jesus is the Son of God. And we can resource that. We can make it happen. And I'm asking you to partner with me to do that. Terry and I are doing this. I'll, I'll tell you right now, this will be the biggest financial commitment and the biggest gift that Terry and I have ever given. And I'm asking you to come up beside us 
And will you do the same? We're going to be talking about this over the next several weeks. I'm super excited about it. But just as we wrap up and close, I do know this. You might be in this room and you might might not be a, a follower of Jesus. You might not even attend Compass. And I just want you to know, like, in no way are we trying to sales pitch you. You are under no obligation to give anything. That is not what this is about. But I will say this. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, for me and for many of us who are part of Compass, our step of faith that God might be asking us to step out of the boat on, is how do we give as part of the launch initiative for you? Maybe your step out of the boat is saying, can I trust Jesus with my life? Maybe for you, you're looking at your life and you're going, I've tried this, I've tried this, I've tried this. I've lived at the lowest bar and it's not working. I look happy, everything looks great. Nobody knows what's running through my mind when I put my head on the pillow at night. And my life is just not clicking, it's not working, and I'm not who I want to be. And you may not be who you want to be because you are not being who God created you to be. And your step of faith today is just this, it's just saying yes to Jesus. Just Jesus, just yes. Peter's step out of the boat was one step. And then he took another, and then he took another, but it all started with one. And maybe today you need to take that first step. Like everyone, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I pray, God, that you'd give us the courage and the boldness to walk in bold faith, to be people of bold faith. God, we just lean into that and we trust you, Jesus, to move in us. And I pray for every single person who you're speaking into their heart who doesn't know you, God, or maybe, maybe they knew you when they were young and, and there's this sense they need to make a, a new commitment, a new step of faith in your direction, Father. I pray that you would speak into their hearts and draw them even now, Holy Spirit. In this moment, everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you're like, Chris, I just want you to pray for me. That's me. I want to be a person who says yes to Jesus today. I need him in my life. I need that change. I'm, t- I'm just willing to take that step. I just want to pray for you. Nobody's looking. We you just slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just a minute. Anyone else? Say, I want to follow Jesus. Thank you. Lord, I pray with every person who lifted their hands. God, our prayer is this. God, I had just a look at my life and I just have to admit it. I'm a sinner. I just, I've blown it. I've tried it on my own and I can't do it anymore. And God, I just ask you to forgive me of all that stuff. Even the stuff that's hard for me to forgive myself. God, I pray that you just forgive me because I need to be made new. I need a new life. I need to be transformed into something different, something better. And today, God, I'm willing to take a step of faith to believe that perhaps you've created me for something bigger and for something more. And so today I just say this. I just say, take my life. I'm just saying yes to you right now, God, and take me to the next step where I can make the decision to say yes again. Lord, transform me and make me a new person in you, Jesus. I believe in you today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I thank you for every person who lifts their hand. I thank you for what you're going to do in them leaving this place. Lord, we worship you and pray it all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.